Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Today I'm preaching from the subject, The Sacrifice. We've been in a series called The Showdown. Really, it's been going on for, I believe it's probably week eight or nine. But in the past three weeks, I believe that God has really given a message to us as a movement, as a church, on what God would have us do as we move forward in this time, in this season. It's a confusing time, but I want you to know, if you've got faith, God is going to bring you through this season on to the other side. We are not afraid of the showdown that's going on in the spiritual realm, and we believe that God has something for us. If you have your Bible, turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 18. You could turn my mic down a little bit. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 32, and it's speaking about Elijah. Elijah had faced off with the prophets of Baal, had faced off with uh, with. Ahab, Jezebel, and her false prophets. And he was facing off with them, challenging them for the soul of the nation, for the faith of the people of God. See, poor leadership had led the people astray. And so God raised up a man with an anointing and a calling to pull the people back towards God. And so there was this great showdown on Mount Carmel. And Elijah rebuilt the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. In the past few weeks, I'd encourage you to listen to these sermons. We ourselves put 12 foundational value stones in place for our church and our lives moving forward. And here we see with the stones, Elijah built an altar in the name of the Lord. And then he went a step further. This is where it gets interesting. He does something unique. And then he dug a trench around it large enough to hold two seers of seed. And he arranged the wood and cut the bull into pieces and he laid it on the wood. So here he is preparing an offering. He is preparing the animal. He is preparing the wood the stones, but then he says to the people something interesting. The same people that when he said, choose today whom you will serve, they were silent. Now he's going to challenge them again. And he says to them, fill four large jars with water and pour it out on the offering and over the wood. Do it again, he said. And they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered. And they did it the third time. The water ran down and around the altar and even filled the trench. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, right now we give you this moment to come and speak directly to us, God, that we may become sacrifices, holy and acceptable, living sacrifices unto you, God, and God, that we would be acceptable in your eyes. In Jesus' name, come on, all God's people said, amen, amen. Here's my thought today. Christianity is an invitation away from a selfish existence and into sacrificial living. Let me say that again. What Christianity is, is an invitation from God to you, to me, to all of humanity, away from an old life, from the life lived in the flesh, from an old culture and an old enemy, away from your old self and into a brand new life holy and acceptable, a sacrificial way of living. This is what Elijah was doing. He was bringing a sacrifice for the whole nation, for all the people before God. He rebuilt the altar. He lays down the sacrifice. And then here's his instructions to all of the people. He says, now pour water on top of that offering. The offering was the bull. 
The altar was the wood and the stones. But he says, before we move on to calling upon God to answer with fire, I want you to take four large vessels and I want you to pour it three times, which equals a grand total of 12 times. And it was a sacrifice for all 12 tribes of Israel. He said, I want you to take this vessel. I want you to take it and I want you to put it to holy purposes. I want you to put it to a sacrifice. And so he asked for them to take water and put it on top of the sacrifice. Hear me. It was the water that really meant something to the people. Don't you remember? The whole reason this is happening is because Elijah prayed to God that a drought would come on the land of Israel for three and a half years. What it was showing was that, what it was showing was that the spiritual realm was already dry. They were already on their own. They were already their own source of provision. And so Elijah said, I'm going to illustrate in the physical what is happening in the supernatural. And so he called for a drought to come upon them for three and a half years. They had to rely on themselves. No rain, no water, no dew, no open heaven. So here they were in a three and a half year drought. And Elijah says, and now in the midst of all of this, I want not only for you to put a a sacrifice of an animal, but I want you to give a real sacrifice. I want you to bring the water. The animal's easy, but the water? Three and a half years we've been holding this precious. We've been searching for this. This is all we've got. At that moment, water literally meant life. It literally was like watching their life be poured out on a sacrifice that was supposed to stand in for their life. But Elijah's saying, no, no, it's not good enough for someone else to have their skin in the game. It's time for you to pour out your life as well. Pour out what's valuable to you. Pour out what's worthy of you. Pour out what you've been searching for and hoping for. Pour out the water in the midst of the drought. He says, give what you do not have. Give what is holy to you. Not just to God, but to you. And you know what's interesting is you know that Baal was actually the God of water. It's very interesting. So when the whole thing is about exposing Baal, by the way, so when Elijah says, uh, at that sound of my voice, there's going to be no water, he's already exposing that Baal is powerless. But now he's just putting the final nail in the coffin, and he's saying, pour out the water. Pour out the water of the idol that's supposed to bring water and has failed. What is he saying? He's saying, regardless of your circumstances, drought, put your circumstances on the altar. Regardless, regardless whether you are living in provision or not, take what is valuable to you and put it on the altar. And he's saying, and I want you to go further. I want you to take your false idols, your old mindsets, your old ideologies, your ancient traditions. I want you to take your flesh and your old self, your old way of living, your old institutions. What is he saying? Take anything else that you would trust in. That's a bail. And I want you to put that on the altar as well. This would have made the people of Israel nervous. But the point was to receive, the the, the point is this, to receive God's call is to sacrifice any other source of salvation. To receive God's salvation, you must first lay it all else on the altar. Your backup plan, your five-year plan, your other sources, what you would define as valuable to you, God says, give it to me. See, Jesus' call 
has gone out to many people and goes out to you today. Do you know what it is? It's follow me. When that went to Peter and Andrew, the Bible says they immediately left their nets. What was their nets but their livelihood? See, Jesus wasn't saying, let's go hang out. He's saying, leave the old, pour it out, give it up, and come and follow me. And when they left their nets, that was more than symbolic. That was a real sacrifice. That was sacrificial living. He says, drop all that you've known. And come journey with me into the unknown. Set your source aside and make me your source. The call, follow me, went to the rich young ruler. It looked different than it looked like to Peter and Andrew, but it was the same thing. He calls the rich young ruler, come follow me. And the rich young ruler says, I'm ready. What do I have to do? He says, sell all that you have and give it to the poor. And the rich young ruler says, I can't do it. I can't put my money on the altar. I can't put my wealth. He was a ruler. I can't put my influence on the altar. I can't do that. And so the rich young ruler walks away from the one that is the ruler of all. He walks away because he really couldn't answer the call. Follow me. And today Jesus calls you. He calls me. He calls all of us. Follow me. And so what does it look like to us? What do we have to do? Jesus tells us. He's, you're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to take up your own cross. And you're going to have to follow me. What is he saying? He's saying you're going to have to put your old self on the altar. Romans chapter 12 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, that's the question of 2020. That's the question. That's the revealing process we are all going through in 2020. Are we going to be conformed to the world or are we going to be transformed by Christ? If you hold on to the old, if you refuse to pour the old out, the self out, your old sources out, you are not going to be able to grasp on to Christ. The world wants you to conform. It wants for you to join with it. It wants to mold with you. It wants to, for you to debase yourself. But God says, I want you to come up another level. Be transformed. I want your mind to be transformed. I want to bring wisdom, ideas, strategy, right ways of thinking. But you got to come to me and renew your mind by the word of God. Can you imagine the people's reaction when when Elijah told them to pour water on top of the sacrifice? Can you imagine the people in that moment? I, I mean, certainly fear would have rippled throughout the congregation. Water? That's all we got. Certainly fear. But what happens if we lack? If we give, what happens if we lack? If we put that water, what happens if no water comes up? What if this is unacceptable to God and we don't get water on the other side? Then we've only angered Baal and received nothing from God. What if, what if they become nervous? I'm not sure. If I give up that water, what if I've none for myself and my children? So here comes, a, a, here comes can I tell you what, what's trying to come on the people? A spirit of fear. Spirit of anxiety. All of a sudden, the prophets of Baal would be in the sidelines saying, we're not asking for water. 
We're not looking for water. It's trying to move the people of God away from the very thing that will bring salvation into their land. What if Baal gets angry? There's a million what ifs that can cause you to cower away from the things of God. Right now, I want you to to hear me. What I'm speaking about is the situation you're finding yourself in. If you play the what if game, it will go on for eternity. (laughs) Its paths are infinity. There is certainly so many questions you can ask in fear. But God calls you to act in faith. So what did the people do? They poured. People poured the water. Come on, that's an act of faith. They poured the water because God wants to involve you in his miracles. Pour it out. When they poured the water out, Elijah says, now pour it again. When they poured it out again, he says, pour it again. Do you see there's a repeat? Because it's not good enough to do one act of giving. It's not good enough to take one offering. And don't worry, this isn't about offering. I'm talking about living. It's not enough to be generous one time. It's not enough to follow Jesus through difficult circumstances just once. God's calling you into a repetitive way of living. Pour it out again. Pour out your life again. Pour out your faith again. Pour out your desires, yourself again and again And again, and what is he saying? Pour out yourself and cling on to faith. But here's the thing. Faith will always lead to fulfillment. I can imagine someone saying to Elijah in that moment, how do you know? How do you know God will come through? And I can imagine Elijah responding because of what I've seen God do. How do I know? We're given our all. How do we know God's going to come through? But Elijah says, I've got a testimony to tell you. Revelation says that those who are with Christ will triumph over the enemy by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony because they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. This isn't the first time Elijah seen God show up. Elijah remembered the widow at Zarephath. In between him confronting Ahab in the moment of that drought, God brought him to a widow's house. When she came out, he said, would you mind giving me something to eat? And she says, I've got nothing. She said, I I only have just a little bit of flour. I only have just a little bit of oil. So I'm going to pour out this oil, and I'm going to bake a cake, and I'm going to eat it with my son, and then we're going to die. This was her plan, little less than death. But Elijah says, will you go? Pour out that oil. Bring it to me. Bring that food to me, and I'm telling you, that God will bring provision to you. The Bible says that as that woman stepped out in faith, poured out the oil and gave it over to God, that that flask of oil never ran dry. For three and a half years, every time she went to pour, there was more oil. Why? Because faith always leads to fulfillment. What I'm speaking to you about today is the principle of provision. He says, pour out your oil. She says, I'm out. I got nothing left. Hear me, if you feel like a spirit of resignation is coming over you, like you got nothing left to give, like you're tired because of 2020 and you're all out and you got no faith and you got no hope, I would ask you to find your faith again because faith activates anointing. Faith brings the Holy Spirit. When she activated her faith, And she began to pour out from that flask. Oil continually began to come out. Why? Because God operates by principle. And one of the principles that he operates by is the principle of provision. 
If you pour it out, God says, I will pour in. If you pour out, I will pour in. God's principle of provision begins, by the way, with giving, not with need, not with taking. It begins with giving, even in your lack. You remember, the, remember when the, the crowd was there and they were hungry and the disciple says, Jesus, let's send them away. God says, why don't you feed them? They say, we have no earthly ability to do this. They find a child that was there with a couple fishes and a couple loaves of bread. And God says, that's good enough. Divide everybody, sit them down, and let's begin to break this bread and distribute it among the many. And every time they reached into the sack, more bread came out, more fish came out. Why? It wasn't because of the need. It was because of the little gift that that child brought. It started with giving. God's math is different than our math. One plus God equals infinity. That's God's math. What am I speaking to you about? I'm saying that when you begin to operate out of when you begin to operate out of this principle of pouring out your life, that's where you'll begin to find life. When you begin to pour out your faith, pour out your hope, pour out your generosity, pour out your expectation, that's where you'll begin to find more where there should be less. That's where you're going to find extra where there should be lack. And I know 2020 seems to have taken a lot from everyone. But I want to tell you in a spirit of faith that if you begin to operate or you continue to operate in this spiritual principle of pouring out your life, God is going to operate in his spiritual principle of provision. This is totally opposite, by the way, of the world's ideology. The world's ideology says take and you will get. But God says give and it will be given unto you. It's totally opposite totally upside down, but God wants to get involved in your life. He proves it with the cross. The cross was an act of sacrificial giving. It was an act of Jesus pouring out his life, pouring it out over the altar. Look at Isaiah prophesying about Jesus says, because he poured out his life unto death, because he poured out his life, Jesus will never ask you to do something he first did not do himself. He is the model, the pioneer, and the leader. Because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and he made intercession for the transgressor. What is Isaiah saying? He's saying he poured out his life and he stood in the gap for those of us that could not ever make it to God. See, this altar, that water, that's the Old Testament picture. That bull and that wood, that's the Old Testament picture of a sacrifice. But Jesus is the fulfillment of it. See, Jesus, he's the, he's the innocent lamb. He got put on top of the rock of Golgotha. The wood was the cross. And when Jesus was killed, a Roman centurion pierced his side. And what, flew out, uh, what, what flow, flowed out but blood and water? That's the fulfillment of this Old Testament picture. What am I saying? I'm saying when Jesus poured out his life, what did it bring to humanity? But more life. The disciples thought it was the end, but they didn't understand this principle of God's provision that when you pour out, it activates God's action. And God's action is always provision. The pouring unlocks the providing. I've talked to so many people in church, they'll say, I'm empty. 
or I'm tired, or I'm dry, I'm spiritually, I'm out of gas. And many times they'll follow that problem up with their solution, which is, you know what, I need to take a season away from serving, and I just need to sit and be filled. But see, they don't understand how filling works. You don't understand the spiritual, pr- provi- the spiritual principle of provision comes from activation, not from lack of action. Now the problem isn't that you're unfulfilled due to serving. Let me tell you the real problem. The real problem is somewhere along the line, you got disconnected from the source. Somewhere along the line, you began to serve out of yourself. And that, that is tiring. That is difficult. I'll give you a month or two but to serve out of your grit and your determination and your mind and your duty, it doesn't last. You need the open heaven or else you're going to be in a drought. A lot of Christians aren't careful. Many times they subtly switch their God from God to the idol of Baal. Sometimes it's easy to switch your God to Baal because all of culture worships Baal. Look at Ahab and Jezebel, our leaders. They worship Baal. I can't even find a prophet of God around here. So let me begin to switch the way I think, the way I talk, the way I pray, the way I believe, the way I act to something that's acceptable with the world. You know, with government and social media and finances and, and, and culture and businesses. You know, let me ally myself with that stuff. Because surely that's as close to God as you can get. Oh, it is a God, but it's a false God. And the idol of Baal is as real and as alive today as it's ever been. And if you're not careful and you get disconnected from the source, you'll go into a place of drought. For the God of money can never fulfill you. The God of self can never bring salvation. The God of this world cannot fulfill. It's impossible. And, and so many people will say, I, I got to sit and receive as if you can't do that serving. But it's better to give than receive because by giving, you do receive. It is through the act of serving that you get activated. And that's where the oil begins to flow. Can't tell you how many times I've left an event, I've left, you know, an I Heart My City project, or even a Sunday, many times where I wasn't even feeling pumped to go in, but I leave a different person. What happened? In giving, God gave. In giving, God gives. No, 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 in receiving, I get. That's not how the cross works. That's not how Christ works. No, no, in giving, you receive. What principle am I speaking about? The principle of pour it out. It unlocks the principle of provision. The reality is Jesus fills. Sin empties. Self cannot satisfy, but Jesus fills. Always Jesus fills. So if you feel dry, and weary, and tired, I understand. 
Many of us are in the same place. But I would ask you to not begin to hoard as your action. I would ask you not to go to lesser gods as your solution. But do whatever it takes to get closer to Jesus. Get to the altar and make, an, make the altar right in your heart. Begin to shift the atmosphere around your home, in your believing, in your mindset, with the people you're around, with the way that you speak. Do whatever you can, but you got to get close to Jesus. Because he is who fills. Not less of him, more of him. Paul says this. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. And, and, and he shows us in the Philippians chapter, in this letter to the Philippians, chapter 2, verse 17, he says, And even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and I will rejoice with you. From the Old Testament to Jesus to the New Testament, here's this principle in this picture all the way through. What's Paul saying here to the church at Philippi? He's saying, even if I lose my life for you to gain faith, I think it's worth it. If I lose my life, but you gain faith, I'm going to celebrate with you. I'm going to shout with you. I'm going to be excited for you. Why? What Paul is saying is the same thing John the Baptist said when he met Jesus. Less of me and more of him. More of him. So Paul's saying, I'll give everything as long. I'll pour it all out as long as your sacrificial offering as long as your faith begins to be accepted and it begins to grow, that's all that I'm looking for. That's what the Christian journey should look like. There's so many people where they say, I, I left that church. Why? Because I wasn't being filled there. I wasn't being filled by the sermons. I wasn't being filled by the word. Let me tell you, don't say that to me. That's a red flag to me. Because, by the way, I'll just be real honest with you. A lot of times I think it's a test from the enemy to see if it will activate my pride. Well, you'll be filled here. Well, brother, we just preach the word of God and nothing less here. Brother, let me tell you something. I preach for one hour and 45 minutes. And if you don't like it, then you can get out of church here because we're holy. That's what happens inside, you know? <laughs> That's the response they're looking for. I wasn't filled. Well, get ready to be filled, to overflowing. You know what I hear when people say I wasn't filled? That's why I'm coming to your church. Maybe I'm just preaching too raw right now. But I'll tell you what I hear. I hear someone saying, hi, I'm here to never serve and never help. I was like, we have a seat for you right out that door. <laughs> No, no, I, I do think that you have a problem, but it's not a preacher problem. It's a perspective problem. You think Christianity is about being filled when the goal of Christianity is to empty you. God says, I want you to die empty. I want you to give all that I put in you. You got to get it out. I'm looking for sacrifice. I'm looking for faith. I'm looking for action. I'm looking for belief. I'm looking for works, good works that will show your faith. The goal of Christianity is to empty you and through that, fulfill you. 
but from Christ, not from self. The goal of Christianity is to get you to empty your cup because if you will never empty your cup, it can never be refilled. It can never be refilled. So many times I hear people say, well, my, my faith is growing stale. Well, you got to empty the cup. you got to pour it out again. I want to be refreshed, but I don't want to let go. I want to be refilled, but I don't want to give out. Hear me, your faith will grow stale if it just sits. It will grow moldy. Begin to smell weird. Look weird. And everyone's like, man, something's going on with them. What is it? Well, they haven't poured out. They haven't poured out. So the Holy Spirit can't come and give you the new wine. Fresh oil. A new experience. New wineskins. None of that can happen unless there's this process of pouring out. Imagine with me a pond. I'm sure you've experienced one, maybe you've seen one, maybe one's deep in the woods behind your house or whatever. But when I was a child, there was a pond near my house that I would always walk through the woods to get through. And the closer you got to the pond, the more the wet, the, the land began to get. And, and if you weren't careful, your, your foot would sink into what seemed like, you know, normal ground. And, and it began to take on weird smells and there was algae. And when you get near the pond, you know, there's, there's nothing good that kind of grows in ponds. It's just scum and, and algae and, and leeches and snakes. And, and the reason is because there's no inlet and there's no outlet from a pond. Because the water never moves, it just festers. It's stale. Nothing's going on. But a river that has an inlet, that has an outlet, that becomes clean, becomes fresh. It can go into a reservoir where people can drink from it and, re and receive sustenance from it. A, a, a river, you can go get fish right out of it. A river, you can use it to have trade. A river is useful and powerful. Why? Because there's an inlet and there's an outlet. I pray that your faith is not like a pond sitting and stale and got nothing to give and things like old bitterness and unforgiveness and lack of maturity are festering in it. I pray your faith gets activated. I pray as you begin to pour it out, you become like a river. And the more you give out, by the way, the more the Holy Spirit can put in. And you can begin to grow your capacity. Your faith can beget more faith. Your leadership can beget more leadership. Your life can bring more life in. Hear me, as you poured out, you would go from the one that can handle one talent to five talents to ten talents. Why? Because whatever God gives you, you don't let sit. Think of it. What was the problem with the servant? That he lost the talent? No. The problem was that he didn't do anything with it. The master said, I, I would have rather that you go in and at least invest it so something could happen. Someone else could do the work. But because you had the pond mentality, you've become wicked. Because a lack of faith always leads to wickedness, foolishness. But I pray that you have the pour it out mentality. Your life, your actions, your leadership. Think of what Paul says to Timothy. He says, here's the key. Here's the key to good leadership. I'm going to remind you of this. Stir up the gift of God, which is within you. 
I mean, I mean think of that. Think of the, the picture he's painting with language. He, he's using the illustration of the drink offering. He's using this metaphor of, of liquid. He's saying you need to keep stirring that gift. Don't let it get separated. Don't let it become, become old. It, it just, you, you need to keep stirring this thing so it's fresh, so it's vibrant, so it's active. Stir up that gift. Because by the way, that gift, it comes from God. Some people are so talented and so amazing and they've got calling and purposes and yet they do nothing with it because they thought that they came up with it. They think that they're special because they are. But God says, I put that in you. I raised you up as a child to have that kind of faith, to have those gifts and those abilities. Some of you have incredible minds. Some of you have the, the ability of speech to turn the heart and the soul. Some of you have artistic abilities. Some of you are great with finance, and you think, well, I just studied hard, but God said, I planted the seed in there, and I gave people around you to stir it up, and even now, God says, are you going to let the callings and giftings of the Lord sit dormant in your life? Stir it up. Young Timothy, stir up those old dreams, those old ideas. Stir it up and pour it out. Because as you stir up your gift and pour out your life, you will always be refilled. You might be saying, well, what does that look like? You know, what does it look like for me to stir up my gift? Listen, all of you that are made by God have gifts and talents put within you by God. You were created, therefore you have a purpose. You were designed, therefore there is a reason you are here on planet earth. And God has put these gifts and talents within you for you to stir them up, discover them, find them, and give them back to him. Maybe you have the gift of encouragement. In 2020, that's the most valuable gift I've ever heard of. Maybe you have the gift of encouragement. God says, use this thing right now. Stir it up and pour it out on people around you. Maybe you have the gift of generosity. And God will give you success for you to finance the mission and the vision of the kingdom of God. Maybe God has given you this gift of generosity for you to be an overflow to the people around you. Stir up that gift. Maybe you have the gift of prayer, where when people get in trouble, they all text you. They text you because they know you're actually going to pray. You know, people that say, I'll pray for you, and you and you know they're not going to be praying for you. I'm talking about the people that have the gift of prayer. They become practiced in prayer and good at prayer, and you know God hears their prayer. Some of you have the gift of intercession. You're interceding for people, the gift of healing, the gift of prophecy, the gift of wisdom, where you've made wise decisions with your life and your family, and God says, don't let that gift go unused. Bring it into the house. Pour it out. For the people that need it. You might have the gift of teaching, gift of worship, the gift of working. You know, I think that's a gift that a lot of people don't see as a gift. Showing up with a good attitude, ready to serve, and ready to go. Let me tell you, in the church, that's a valuable gift. But in the workplace, that is a valuable gift. Where if you show up and you say, I'm here to help, it'll blow people away. Some of you have the gift of leadership. And God says, will you activate it? Will you use it? Because right now the whole world is looking to be led. They're looking to be led. And we have a world of influencers when the need is leadership. And maybe God has given you this gift and he says, stir it up and pour it out.
Because when you pour it out, it will shift the atmosphere. It will shift the atmosphere. I'm going to close in a moment here, but I want you to know something. Sacrifice has a scent. Sacrifice has a scent. You can discern it. You can pick it up. Sacrifice gets in the atmosphere. It gets on you. Gets on other people. Listen, pride's got a scent too. So does ego. So does lust and perversion. They got their own sense. No one wants to be around them. But sacrificial people, it draws in the glory of God. Look at this verse. Ephesians chapter 5. It says, now walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. In the Old Testament, they talked about the drink offering being an aroma that reaches heaven. When you pour your life out, your gifts out, your faith out, when you sacrifice on earth, the aroma begins to reach heaven. And I believe even us as a church, because we are a sacrificial church, I believe that aroma can, can get on a region, a state. It could get on people's homes and livelihoods and the atmosphere itself can shift from our sacrifice. Look at this verse in 2 Corinthians. It says, for we are the aroma of Christ. We are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. A fragrance from life to life. I hope that your way of living releases an aroma that leads people to Jesus. I hope your choice to live not for self or out of self, not from old sources, but to deny yourself, take up your cross, make the decision to live a life of sacrificial living. I pray it releases a holy aroma. It's on your, it's on your face. It's on your mind. It's on your home. It's on the church. Let it be a fragrance of faith. Let it be a fragrance of hope. Let it be a fragrance of belief, of expectation. You know, right now, there's a lot of smells in the air. Right now, there's a lot of division, anger and violence, rage, hate, and confusion. Right now, people don't know where to turn or who to listen to, and especially in a society where it seems like it's every man for himself. Guard yourself. Take care of your own. Hoard. Don't help. Hunker down and make it through. That is the mentality that's gotten on society. But if you stand up and you say, no, I will not follow that old way. I will not follow culture. It's ideologies or religions. It's way of thinking. I will not be conformed to their pattern. And I'm going to be transformed. I'm going to think differently. Therefore, I'm going to act differently. I pray as you pour your life out for people. 
You pour your life out for Jesus. Pour your life out for your family. I pray it releases a fragrance that everyone wants to be around. Life to life. And I pray it exposes the fragrance of death that everyone else is putting out. That we could look different, sound different, and feel different. The Bible says that they could tell that these men had been with Jesus. There was just something about their fragrance that reminded them of the source. I'm talking about a way to live. Christianity is an invitation away from selfish living and into sacrificial living. I want to encourage the church. Let me tell you what I've seen from you these past seven months has been incredible. I'm seeing a church of faithfulness. I'm seeing a church that has a great fragrance. I'm seeing people get over things that they thought they would never be able to get over. Dealing with things that the enemy planted like a time bomb to wreck their life. I'm seeing the church show up, show out, serve, and love. It's amazing to see people still coming to church, see people still serving, see people online, becoming digital evangelists throughout the whole world. It's amazing to me to see generosity never waver, never slip. And I know that for many of you, that was a difficult choice, but you said we're going to stand in principle. We're going to pour it out. But I'm telling you of the principle of provision that comes in on the other end. I'm amazed. I'm amazed to see people's faith grow in this season. And maybe you, like me, got shaky a little bit there, got nervous, maybe you got a little afraid, but you're growing and you're moving. And maybe the things that were shakable got shook off and now you can't be shook. That's growth. Your roots have gone deeper. Your faith has grown brighter. Your mind is committed to Jesus Christ above any other thing in the world. I tell you, that is an amazing thing to see God in the midst of a nation that seems to be filled with prophets of Baal, Ahabs and Jezebel. I'm seeing the church rise like an Elijah. I'm seeing that people respond. And so I'm calling to you today to keep pouring it out. Your life, your faith, keep pouring out. Live sacrificially. The fear would be that there's going to be lack. The fear would be that there's not going to be enough. But I want you to know with Jesus, I promise you, you will have more than enough. Remember, he says to the woman at the well, he says, you come here and you drink every day. But if you came to me, the living water, and you drank of me, you would never be thirsty again. I'm thankful for a church that chooses not to pursue self. I'm thankful for a church that chooses not to pursue safety, but to pursue Jesus Christ. To pour out our lives in serving of him, and serving and sacrificing of mankind. And I would challenge you to ask God, what area of my life are you asking for me to pour it out? Have I held anything in reserve? Have I buried anything? 
Have I let you in the living room, but I won't let you in the kitchen? Is there an area that you've reserved for self or sin or past or hurt, bitterness and brokenness? I'm asking for you to come and pour it out before Jesus today. And you might say, well, no, 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 that's my source. That's where I get my drive. That's what makes me who I am. That's my identity. But I'd ask you, if you trust God, pour out the things that he deserves. Your hurts and your pains. All the negative, pour it out. All the positive, pour it out. Jesus and Jesus alone must be your source. Christianity has a stance. And its stance is not this. Its stance It's a stance of sacrifice. For we are not here to receive. We are here to sacrifice. Following Jesus. Pouring it all. I believe as you do that, you are going to find provision that you've been desperately searching for. The oil, the anointing, the oil of gladness, the anointing of healing, the water of refreshing, the healing that comes with it. Make room in your heart for the spirit to be poured in. Right now, I want you to think about it. Is there anything in your life that you need to pour out before the Lord? Holy Spirit speaking to you right now. Maybe it's something you've held in reserve. Maybe it's somewhere you've got off course. Maybe it's something you've been doing. But I want to challenge you. Do not grow weary in well-doing. Keep pouring it out. Your whole life. Put it on the altar so that we may be living sacrifices. That's Christianity. Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.